Hey everybody, it's Josh Rutledge, your co-host for Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support us more, please head over to our website, fearscapepodcast.com. There you can click on store and browse some really awesome t-shirts and maybe pick a couple up, or even go to our Patreon page and see how you can support us monthly. We love bringing you awesome content just as much as you like listening to it. Enjoy the show. Hello. I'm so glad you could join us. I hope you brought your blanket to hide under. The spooky crew is going to discuss things and events from other realms. Ghosts. Cryptids. Aliens. Be sure to hold your blanket extra tight as the boys take you deep into the fear scale, fear scale, fear scale. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another monstrous episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. That's right, you are home for all things spooky, weird, and cryptozoology. I am your host, Stefan Gearhart, and I am joined, as usual, by my human-like co-host, Mr. Josh Rellinge. I mean, to be fair, a lot of cryptids are human-like as well, the, so that's not really a good compliment. No, it is. Well, well, yeah, that's the point. You're, you're not fully human. <laughs> I mean, human. H- human-like is what? I walk on two feet? Yeah, you're not yeah. quite human, too. Not quite. The sequel <laughs> from Disney. Uh, But yeah, we got a really fun episode for you guys. We had an opportunity this past weekend to go to West Virginia. West Virginia. West Virginia. Not East Virginia. Mountain Mama. Take me home. That's (laughs) where we went. And uh, I sang it the whole weekend. Uh, We went out there with Santosh. uh, And Santosh will be on next week because our main purpose for going out there was to do some Mothman hunting. And so we'll be discussing Mothman next week with Santosh, hopefully. uh, And that'll be fun. But... The other reason we were going out there, which is the first thing we went to go do, was to go take a look uh, at the Flatwoods Monster uh, sighting, which also happened in West Virginia. If you've watched Project Blue Book, you'll know that was the second episode, I believe, they focused on the Flatwoods Monster. Um, So very, very interesting. We got a chance to uh, talk to one of the guys that works there at the uh, Braxton, West Virginia uh, Tourist Bureau, which also houses the Flatwoods Monster Museum. And so we'll be getting to hear some stuff from him as well as telling you guys about the flatwoods and all that stuff uh but before we get to all that we got to do our normal jam man you know what i'm saying yep jamie the jam jimmy jimmy jam 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 on the space jam part two (laughs) um but yeah so we're going to jump right into the psychic word of the week and now the psychic word of the week All right, so as you guys know, uh, we have our Psychic Word of the Week, which comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary from the lovely June Bletzer, PhD, rest in peace, honey bear. Um, This week, as we flipped through the pages and did some bibliomancy as usual, we stopped on the letter T and uh, looked down on the page we were on, and the uh, phrase that we grabbed is interesting. It's called Testament of Solomon. It sounds like a cult. 
Yeah, <laughs> it does. Um, <laughs> well, okay. Not going to shut up, Stefan. All right. So uh, this reads, the many entities of the etheric world that Solomon contacted and conquered by the use of his magic ring served as proof of life in the etheric world and proof of communicating with the same. I didn't know Solomon had a magic ring. I didn't either. I didn't know he was a Green Lantern. Yeah, I mean, or, or or like, you know, one ring to rule them all type situation. Maybe, but, you know, yeah, I mean, he was like the king, right? So, right. <laughs> so I mean, he gave out all these other rings. It's what all, you know, like the whole Masonic Lodge and everything is based on. Yeah, the, yeah. the Keys of Solomon, the right. lesser and greater yeah. Keys of Solomon. A lot of uh, magic is based on that and. Uh, worship and ritual and all sorts of craziness. Uh, yeah. So he was he was quite literally the most magical person. Yeah, literally. In history. Uh, well, really? according to his testament, he yeah. was. <laughs> <laughs> um, very interesting, though. Yeah, I didn't. I never heard of a magic ring before. Um, but I do like. It's very interesting that it shows that through his ring, he was able to communicate with the etheric world, which is kind of cool. Well, you think about uh, several ep- several episodes back. We talked about shapeshifters, mm-hmm. um, and I remember one of the or several of the shapeshifter accounts uh, had to do with um, magical objects that the wearer would put on mm-hmm. that would allow them to shapeshift. Like there was a magical belt and something oh, else. Yeah, I forgot so I, about that. Yeah. So I'm wondering how much of that with like a magical ring, if like that gave you know without the ring. Just Solomon with the ring, super, super Solomon. Solomon. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there? Um, I think there's like an old cartoon called like the Seven. Oh goodness, theologian would know this. It's called like the Seven Powers or Super Seven or something like that. Was, was that the, the Planet 80s. Earth people? No, but it was like a bunch of different gods um, oh. and not gods, but ancient things. So like Isis was a part of it, I think. Um, I think I'm pretty sure Solomon was a superhero. It was like kind of like that. Well, and doesn't doesn't like Justice League of the Future get like rings that they can use? To... Yeah, that yeah they do. They get the the Legion. The Legion has rings that makes them all able to fly. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, this was like I think made by the same company that did um, Flash Gordon cartoon and mm. Defenders of the Earth and stuff like that. I think it was Defenders. The, yeah, I think it was called the Super Seven. Um, it wasn't on very long, but it was like. I don't know, like different gods or like ancient dudes that were the superheroes. Um, but yeah, anyway, yeah, so, so Testament of Solomon. Right. You know, if, if we, if we went there talking about a magical ring, imagine what we'll do. You know, talking about. So yeah, this is good stuff though. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, talking about some good stuff, I got a doozy of a spooky news. All right. So get ready and let's move into spooky news. So this one comes from The Guardian. So (laughs) I don't think you're ready just for the headline alone. (sighs) All right. So it says, Space Oddity. Mexican group claims alien base offers hurricane protection. Okay. Yep. Yep. I told you. Uh, So this says, Gulf Coast cities have little to fear from extreme weather, thanks apparently to extraterrestrials lurking underwater. Uh, And this uh, comes from Cody Copeland in Mexico City. Uh, Cody says, As communities on Mexico's Gulf Coast brace themselves for what is predicted to be a grueling hurricane season, there are a group of stargazers in the northeastern state of 
Tamaulipas uh, are confident that a unique form of disaster preparation will keep their city safe. Members of the Association of Scientific UFO, UFO man, I'm almost talking like Alan Greenfield, UFOs, <laughs> uh, UFO research of that city uh, believe that an interdimensional underwater base of extraterrestrial origin has protected the coastal cities of Suedid, Madero, and Tampico from hurricanes for more than 50 years. The president, Juan Carlos Ramon Lopez Diaz, a lot of names, claims to have visited the base known as Amupak via astral projection, which he says he induced through meditation and pescatarian diet. It's also recommendable to ascend ancestral constructions like temples and pyramids that have stairs at a 45-degree angle, he says. Hills sloping at such a gradient will also do if one does not live near pre-Columbian ruins. Uh, He also says that he suffered, or excuse me, the city... uh, Ciudad Madero suffered four direct landfalls in the 20th century, including Hurricane Inez in 1966, which killed 74 people in Mexico alone. Lopez and his allies believe that the base was established sometime after that. Explanations of exactly how and why the alien visitors are protecting this city vary, even among fellow investigators. Lopez believes not Amupac itself, but the esoteric power of the members' belief in the base. The collective mind is charged with the concept, so it generates a large force field of repulsion, he said. There is also talk of magnetic fields and a series of meter-long bars of aluminum, iron, and other things at Miramar Beach, uh... Yada, yada, yada. Uh, others claim that the aliens are only interested in protecting their base, and uh, Keodad Modero is just lucky they took a liking to the small corner of the galaxy. This theory fails to explain, however, what threat a terrestrial weather event might pose to a structure with no form in our physical dimension, but still others simply accept the apparently inexplicable. Uh, if science gives us no explanation, we will get one from magic, says Marco Flores, the former official historian of Tampico. Well, A, that dude sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and if you happen to be listening, I'd love to have you on the show. We might, you know, but um, secondly, I, I heard, I read something somewhere because my, my kids were asking about waves because uh, they ask about everything. And so I was trying to talk to them about how waves are formed and all that kind of stuff. And I read when I was reading into it that um, in a single wave like so the, like not like a huge tidal wave but like it's right. just a single wave that goes up on the beach there's enough stored energy in a single wave to power all of the United States for one year hmm. so if you're an interdimensional being and you have some sort of a base underwater and there's a lot of wave activity as part of a hurricane it stands to reason that that energy could be impactful to your base. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, all very, very interesting. Uh, good luck, guys. Um, yeah. Hope you take along your phones Best. to take pictures and <laughs> videos because I'd love to see this base. Not that I don't believe that one's there, but... Uh, you know, just, it's, like yeah. we, it's like we were talking about before we started recording, right? It, so much of this stuff hits you and you almost feel like yeah, but but then there's the other part of you that's like, well, maybe. Well, yeah, and then there's this third part that's like, oh, I kind of really want it to be. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, how cool would it be to have this protective base, like, to be able to go to in right. times of danger? I mean, like, that could be almost maybe even help during if there was nuclear fallout. I mean. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, who knows? So, and I, I just, the thing that I find interesting is usually when it comes across these, like, secret alien bunkers or bases, they're purported to have been there for thousands of years. Right. This has been there for maybe four 50, decades. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and it reminds me of the, uh, what's the, oh, The Abyss. Oh, I love that movie. So, you know, they, they go down to, to, I don't remember, I don't even remember, I think it's a research station. I think, yeah, and they were near the Marianas Trench, yeah. right? And then they, you know, then of course they don't, anybody who hasn't seen the movie The Abyss, because I know it is an older movie and we do have some younger listeners, but um, it's a really good movie and I don't want to ruin it for you, but let's just say they find, they find something living mm-hmm. in the Marianas Trench and it is an amazing thing, but they don't, they don't, of course, talk about how long it's been there. But it makes you wonder, all these really deep parts, I don't know how deep it is close to the city in Mexico, but all these deep parts of the ocean, I think I read somewhere that we've only explored like 4% of the Earth's oceans, Yeah, which is minuscule. Insane. So now when you know the when they talk about that only exploring 4%, do they speak about just ground level or are they talking about the entire body of water? They're talking about the entire body of water. Okay, cuz that, you know, it's like <laughs> I don't I don't care <laughs> about just the water. I'm like I want to see the stuff on the bottom like Yeah, well I mean I, so I think the ocean is kind of like if you say I'm going to explore this bowl of cereal. Yeah. You eat the cereal, you don't really like crack open the bowl to see what the bowl looks like. Yeah. You know what well, I'm saying? Well, I mean, I think about it, it's like exploring the earth. Does that mean we have to fly into the every inch of the sky to say we've explored the earth, right? Well, I think the difference there is that we can point things and see most of the things in the sky and the earth. This is true. We can't do that for the ocean. This is true. Um, but I do like that the ocean seems to be our biggest foundation of new species that we oh, find yeah. all the time. Although I was watching this thing about the rainforest and they said that Every year, like forty something new species of bird or bug is yeah, found. Bird or bug, the, yeah. be it bird or be it bug. Yeah. <laughs> but also a uh, plug for Sequest, a great show. Would love mm-hmm. to see it be remade. I love Sequest, <laughs> especially uh, when they had that clone on. He was my favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite character was the dolphin. The do- oh yeah, a Darwin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that show. Uh, Roy, Roy Schreider. Love you, brother. Um, they were like, oh, you're in Jaws. You can do underwater. Uh, anyways, way off topic. Way off topic. <laughs> way off topic. Let's go ahead and move into the UFO sighting of the week so we can get moving on to Flatwoods. All right, Josh, what do we got for the uh, UFO goodness this week? Yeah, so I thought we would do something a little different. We've done this before, um, but I just wanted to look at, so MUFON, you can go out to their website and sign up to receive uh, their newsletter. Right. And so one of the things they send people who subscribe is a monthly recap. So we're looking at June, and I just thought it would be interesting to look and see, you know, how many reported sightings have there been or were there in June um, and then ch- to try to think about it and extrapolate that out across a year, how many there are a year and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And, and again, you have to note that, um, number one, MUFON is not the only reporting Correct. mechanism for things. And so they don't, they don't, I don't think, take into account things that are reporting outside of MUFON. Yeah, if people aren't doing double or triple the work, putting them on other places. Right. 
Um, and then secondly, not everything gets reported. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Or, yeah, I mean, or things just get reported to the police or right. uh, or something and they don't they don't even make like a, a journalistic right. inquiry. I mean, you know, the, the or they report it to the newspaper and the newspaper's like, hey, we got to put eight, eight pages of ads because nobody reads our newspaper anymore. <laughs> um, so anyway, so uh, June... Uh, saw a total of 601 UFO sightings wow. uh, through MUFON. And that's around the world, right? Around the world. Ooh, that's a lot, man. Now, the biggest number, U.S. Oh, for sure. For sure. The next biggest is Canada, and rounding out the top three is the United Kingdom. So, But it's, uh, a, it's a pretty big leap. So, like, U.K., uh, 33, Canada, 36. 446 in the United States. <laughs> well, I mean, we have... We have the, a much larger area to cover. We and, have a much larger area, as well as the Southwest is just yeah. just full of... And mountains. and uh, We have such a broad uh, topography. It's really, really interesting. The, uh, the highest number by state, so I'll just do the top three. Uh, California with 56, Florida with 30, and Texas with 26. It's just crazy to me to think 601 for the entire world but over 30 days yeah that's just 30 days that's 30 days right um just for curiosity's sake since we're in kentucky there were three in kentucky um re- reported in june and they were just ours right <laughs> yeah probably, probably. <laughs> and, that and the guy from burksville <laughs> and then i also found so they break it down for the type or to me the shape of the ufo Oh, that's interesting so this is really cool so 97 reported a circle shape 63 were a sphere, 55 were other, um, but I, I won't read through the entire list, but there's like, so there's star-like, which was 41, oval with 35, um, cylinder, 18, a cigar shape, which I would equate cigar and cylinder as the same, Similar, yeah. but uh, was 13, boomerang, which I would think would be like the triangle type shape, mm-hmm. is 11, there was 34 of the triangle. Um, the Tic Tac one I see on Tic Tac is seven. Uh, a bullet or missile is five. Uh, Chevron, I've not heard of the Chevron. I guess that's really the triangle or boomerang, though. I mean, it really kind of falls into that yeah. that kind of uh, V shape. Five. It's a gas station shaped. <laughs> um, <laughs> Does that just age me? The lowest, the lowest amount on here with two is cone. I've never heard of a cone shaped UFO. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe somebody was wearing a dunce cap. <laughs> or it's a traffic cone. Yeah. That somebody put some fireworks in. But uh, but anyway, so yeah. So, you know, just the taking a look at that those numbers for June. And if we extrapolate that out, I mean, what is that? 12 times 6, roughly, is 12 times 3 is 36. 36 and 36 is what? 72? Mm-hmm. So 7,200 sightings a year. If you just take June as an example, yeah. and that's just one, one organization. Oh yeah, for one, one year. organization in one year. Right. So, I mean, there. Then just think of all the thousands that people don't say, don't say. or they didn't even like. They're like, oh, I'm just seeing something. Right. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I've reached out to MUFON a couple of times. If anybody's listening who's a member of MUFON, I'd love to get in touch with somebody who actually does. Uh, UFO investigations because I think it would be really interesting to know 
uh, kind of what goes into an investigation for MUFON. Yeah. You know, what do they look at? Do they? I mean, I've, I've thought about signing up myself as an investigator and, and some things like that, but, I, you know, we're, we're busy, so I kind of want to ask somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, you know, it's one thing to read the handbook. It's another thing to actually talk to somebody who's been in the field. Yeah, especially anyone that's been in the field for a good solid minute or yeah. two. So, um, but, yeah, so that's our, our report for June. Like I said, if you go out to MUFON's website and sign up for free, plug in your email, they'll send you these reports. And they're really cool to see. And one of the other things they also include in here is they, they include some some like sightings and kind of hit sightings and that sort of thing. And pictures of various uh, uh, sightings that were, that were submitted. So, you know, it's just a really, really cool, um, it's just a really cool little uh, newsletter that MUFON puts together. For free. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, they even have the uh, distribution by, it, like, uh, how far away people thought it was and stuff like yeah. that. It's just, it's really, whoever is the, the analyst that does all this yeah, and puts all this puts together, together, I yeah. mean, he's got to pull together 601 different sightings, right, for just June alone to put this newsletter yeah. together. He or she. Let's he or, yeah, he or she. Um so or they or they yeah uh or alien um (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's what they're doing they've got they've got the grays working for them it is but yeah thank you for that information josh it's always a pleasure to to again remind us we're not alone uh in the universe or with the way we think and in and really that that what you see in the night sky 601 other people in the month of June saw it too. Yeah. Right? Yes. 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 I'm so, anxious to see what July's is. So don't be afraid to share those sightings. That's right. Uh, and of course, if you want to share that, you can always go to fearscapepodcast.com. We have a link that says submit a sighting, and you can just put it right in there. It helps us build our own little database, uh, and that includes ghosts, cryptids, the whole nine yards. Um, but yeah, let us know. Uh, anyways, let's go ahead and move into creepy ketchup because I have had a week. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Y'all, it's creepy. All right, so. Do you, you mind? Got, yeah. I have very little. That's what I was saying. So, so if you got the I'm smaller go f- one this week, you go first. I'll go first. Yep, it's smaller because it's cold outside. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> um, the, uh, so I've only had like two things this week. One. I was uh, laying on the couch last night with my kids. We were watching something. Oh, I, we were watching all these resin art things. I don't know if you watch those. are really mm-hmm. cool. But, yeah, they are. But um, we were watching something. That's, it helps them calm down and go to sleep. So we were watching that. And out of the corner of my eye, this is like 830 at night or so. So it's it's dusk, but it's not dark. So there's a little bit of light coming into the room. And um, out of the corner of my eye, I see a shadow mm. just kind of walk between like down the hallway go right past the couch and then head to the basement which we know that we 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 both feel like there's something uh down here in the basement we did an esta sessions a couple weekends ago we got some some kids with that likes to play with the cat so um i think in that esta session even the name came up of john so we've just been referring to him as john so when i come downstairs to say hey john how you doing today and i just talk to him that's the way to go man um and then the only other thing that I had is I was uh, I was laying in bed last night going to sleep, and um, it was late. I had to work late last night, and so it was, like, close to midnight. And I was just kind of laying there, and uh, my phone, because I had forgotten to put it back on Do Not Disturb, buzzed. It vibrated, and it kind of startled me awake, but I didn't open my eyes. 
in my mind's eye, if you will, I could see my room. Like I could see the curtains and I could see my wife laying there Mm -hmm. next to me. And then all of a sudden there was like, do you remember that night that we did the S session? And I said that I saw like waves of energy coming across. Yeah. 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 While I I was doing Reiki. So I saw that coming at me from like the curtained area Hmm. of my room. And then I saw in my, again, I never opened my eyes, but in my mind's eye, I saw like this figure standing on my wife's side of the bed and these like waves of energy were coming at me and I just kind of went back to sleep. I wonder because if they were similar waves, I mean, I was sending healing energy. And so I wonder if, it, if that entity, if it is here, uh, it could still even also be your grandfather. We talked about yeah. that, but sending healing energy to try to make sure you guys are healthy and, and, and yeah. stuff along that lines, whether it's a family member or uh, UTET, whatever. Yeah. So, but that's my only two things that I've had. Um, so I've had a very ghost, ghosty ghost of Mick ghost ghost week, and I know I jinxed myself because last week I was like, oh, I can't believe I'm back at my office and nothing's happened. Well, yeah, exactly. good Lord, everything has happened. I have <laughs> just being back. I've been watching my pen fly around again like it did with the marker. Every day something's kind of happened along those lines. Stuff's falling off my little side tables and uh, stuff like that. I'm... I, just just weird fluctuations uh, in the energy, like mm-hmm. when things would happen. Like I would notice like the pen would move and my monitor would flicker mm. as if it was using that energy, right? Some things like that. But the, be- <laughs> the best thing happened uh, the other day. Uh, my uh, So there's three of us at the office. One of the guys called off sick. My boss had to leave for two hours. So it was me by you, myself. by yourself. By myself. So uh, first of all, I hear like, I don't know, I'm maybe like 30 minutes into being by myself. And I hear a knocking coming from the inside of the right bathroom. And I was like, do you need let out? <laughs> like, I mean, is that the bathroom where yes, you heard is. stuff before? It's the exact okay. same one where the toilet paper flew off the yep. thing, everything. Uh, this is the same one. And it happened multiple times until I got up, walked over opened the door, held it, and stopped. Never knocked again after that. (laughs) So it was like stuck in there. I think so. I don't know. The other thing was, is I was like, oh, man, nobody's here. I could do whatever I want. So I start singing. I was listening to uh, Jekyll and Hyde, which is my favorite musical. And so I'm just singing it. And it's this big old building, so the ceilings are high. So the acoustics are amazing. Amazing, I'm having a good time, and I'm tearing out ass through this song man like i'm just killing it and i get done and i kid you not josh i hear wow and i was like shut up dude and i mean from top to bottom i got goosebumps but isn't i mean your all's office is shared with the other offices nope. right no mm-hmm. you're, no you're i am one. literally the only person in this entire building it's just me and it's, this was not coming from outside. I heard it as if it was like right next to me. Wow. And it scared. First, it startled me. I was like, Ugh! and after I, Ugh! I still heard it yeah. finish. And I was just like, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that happened. And I told Benji and Benji was like, hmm, because <laughs> he's singing all the time yeah. in there, too. Well, it makes me think about, um, you know, the thing that Andrea said, 
that they the entities like for you to sing to them. They do, yeah. And the and the theory that I have is that some not not all, but some ghosts are actually like UTs, right? You and know, camouflage check, or checking in on you or something. So it makes me wonder if they liked what you had to say. It's sing. possible, uh, you know. I mean, just between Benji and I alone, we're always watching like Broadway videos and stuff. So they could have seen how to applaud. I mean, any of yeah. that stuff a million times over. Um, but the last one that I've got happened in my car. So I don't know if I told you. I, I just, you know, you know, I got a, a newer, newish car. Yep. Um, New to you. Uh, over the last month or two and um through my research it said it only had one owner prior and they said that it uh there was a wreck um that the uh, airbags didn't go off and there was some bumper damage uh but they they replaced everything no problem it wasn't major damage and they of course made sure to put in good airbags and stuff like that well as i was like looking through the car facts and looking through all the stuff i see that this car went up for auction and I was like well if it didn't get totaled why would he especially them telling me that it was like minimal damage it was supposed to be this old guy from Jersey he lived in Florida though I'm like did he die because if the airbag didn't go off yeah even if it's minimal damage he could have died right like is what I'm thinking I'm like well he could have had a heart attack I'm like this dude died in his car and that's why they auctioned it off because they just had to get rid of it they didn't know what to do with it because he's dead and i'm like man i have a haunted car of course i do and i've always been thinking about that since since the get-go so i'm driving the other day and uh i noticed something over the side of the road i don't even remember what it was could have been a squirrel it could have been anything i have adhd but i get distracted and i didn't realize that i had swerved and I've got my hands on the wheel. All of a sudden, I feel my wheel turn, like like it turns. And I'm like, and it goes, Arr! and I and I saw a car was coming. God, I hope Sarah's not listening. Um, <laughs> but like a car, and so I swerved back over, and I was like, and at that same time, I I smelled Old Spice, yeah. like the original old yeah. school splash it on your face Old Spice. And I was like, thank you, like, and I just accepted the fact. Oh, I think my car might be haunted unless yeah. it was the ut following me again and yeah. was in the car with me but uh, the old Either spice way, is what sold you. it for me yeah. i mean some dude from jersey of course he's wearing old spice yeah. or or brute it's gonna be right. one or the other right anything so. with a big wooden cap on it <laughs> <laughs> anything you have to splash in your hands and rub, rub together yeah. to put on your face is- <laughs> But yeah, so that that was my week. And, you know, had other things, of course. I mean, since this entire week, I mean, I have seen reflections out of my glasses. I've seen shadows. Um, just everything under the sun at, at my yeah. workplace has been happening this week. Now, so. I will say in, in, in leading up to um, the uh, the Point Pleasant trip, I did see I have seemed like I, I did see a lot of extra kind of out of the corner of my eye, like. Something's there, but when I go to look at it, I can't, you know, I don't see yeah. anything. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, almost as if like it, it ramped up even knowing that I was going to be going to Point Pleasant. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we, yes, 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 yes. So, but yeah, so that's my creepy catch up. Been a very interesting week because I've been, I've had essentially dry spells for the past couple weeks. And so this one, I haven't had good ghosty experiences in a while. Like I told you <laughs> in Santosh a, a few days ago, I mean, I definitely feel like I'm getting back into my groove of like. Oh yeah, so am I. And I think that that is 
psychically bouncing off of one another yeah. as well. So, but yeah, so uh, yeah, so that's creepy catch up. That's where we're at. Yep. And uh, so uh, bear with us. We're going to take a quick ad break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the Flatwoods monster. Hey everyone, Josh here. Do you feel like mainstream options for things such as yoga, meditation, or documentaries and films meant to expand your mind are lacking? Have you heard of Gaia? Gaia is the largest resource of consciousness-expanding videos. Both Stefan and I have watched several of the series, documentaries, and films available on topics such as the Secret Space Program, Channeling Interdimensional Beings, and Alien Encounters. We're just now exploring the over 8,000 films, shows, and classes available to stream on your favorite devices. To get your 10-day free trial of Gaia, go to fearscapepodcast.com slash Gaia offer. Again, that's fearscapepodcast.com slash G-A-I-A offer. Warning. The topic portion of tonight's episode of The Flatwoods Monster was recorded in a small hotel room in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, so as the sound quality may not be as good as you're used to, the information is still on par. Stay spooky. All right, thanks for sticking around, blanket huggers. Uh, Like we said uh, before the break, we're going to be talking about The Flatwoods monster and uh if you uh listened here uh before the break you know we got a chance to head out to point pleasant and uh west virginia in general and one of the spots we got to check out was flatwoods uh west virginia um we'll have that interview with the guy from the flatwoods monster museum here in a little bit uh though we did not get to go out to the actual spot it's private property and uh, i guess that's for the good because i heard he's not a nice guy <laughs> not right Josh? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, if, unless you want to be uh, chased around by you know a guy with a shotgun, I wouldn't recommend it. So yeah. So, but anyway, so what do we got for people that aren't aware uh, of the Flatwoods monster, or their only uh, idea comes from the episode of the uh, Project Blue Book? Yeah. So just so everybody's clear, you know, this happened 14 years prior to the whole Mothman thing, which is really. Uh, well, a lot, when you talk about West Virginia cryptids, a lot of people immediately go to, to Mouthman and, and sometimes forget about the Flatwoods Monster. So this happened on September 12th, 1952, which is which is kind of uh, funny, at least personal for me, that my dad's birthday, uh, he was born on September 10th, 1952. So um, I don't think that he's the Flatwoods Monster, but... Well, I mean, I will say that our friend at the Flatwoods Monster Museum, Les Odell, said that a doctor owns the property now. What if it was the Flatwoods Monster who took on the guise of a doctor and he delivered your dad? That would be a stretch, but stranger things, you know? So. Yep. But I was going to also say one of the cool things about West Virginia is West Virginia is home to quite a number of cryptids much like Kentucky how we've got the wild man and the dog man and the goat you know the goat man and things like that West Virginia does too and uh, I had learned about one that I don't think I had heard uh, was about like the Grafton monster and things like that but yeah everyone focuses on Flatwoods now why why do you or I mean they focus on on Mothman but 
I, you and I both think that this Flatwoods monster is a remarkable story, especially because it combines, uh, again, this idea of a cryptid as well as uh, UFO kind of related things. So, well, in in all in, in all actuality, uh, when we get into it, the actual account does not imply cryptid at all. Yeah. So, um, all right. So to, to kind of jump into it. So again, this is. Happened September 12th, 1952, in Flatwoods, West Virginia, which is a very rural part of the state, uh, you know, in the Appalachian Mountains. Um, even now. Dr. Hein- yeah, even now. Now, Dr. Heineck, uh, you know, as you know, part of Project Blue Book, uh, he classified this as a close encounter three. You know, he was the one that came up with the whole close encounter uh, rating scale. And so a close encounter three is a close observation with an animate being associated with the object. Right. So if it was an animated tin can and that tin can flew into a UFO, then (laughs) Keel had a close encounter three. So tin can hashtag hellier. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, um, but so just before dark on uh, September 12th, some young schoolboys saw a fiery UFO streak across the night sky, uh, and, it, and it appeared to land on a nearby hilltop. And so they they uh, were rushing to the site. They gathered a few people along the way. Uh, one of those individuals, I think, was a teacher, and the other one was a national guard, a national guardsman. And so they grabbed them along the way um, and uh, went up to the side of the mountain and. Uh, yeah, what they saw was quite uh, quite impressive. So it's described here. Um, well, let me, let me get back. In. So I'm sorry. Yeah, because we've got Edward. Yeah, we've got Edward and Fred May and their friend Tommy Heyer. Right. Right. So you know, so it says that Flatwoods at this point in time is a, is a population of about 300, and it's interesting because a lot of these sightings tend to hit those smaller towns, or rather, you know, the smaller towns because I guess there's less opportunity for a sighting in a smaller town, yeah, especially this, uh, at night. Flatwoods sits pretty close to the center of the state. And it's interesting because even the Flatwoods Monster Museum isn't even in Flatwoods. It's in Sutton, uh, which has pretty much the only downtown in the area. <laughs> so <laughs> Right. Yeah, so you guys, you mentioned that, you know, the four boys were uh, Tommy Heyer, Freddie May, Edison May, uh, and Neil Nunley. Now, I want to make a quick note here. Tommy Heyer, H-Y-E-R, mm-hmm. is the same spelling as, I can't remember her first name. Mary. Uh, Mary, Mary Heyer, which is the reporter for, that you know, that covered a lot of the Mothman stuff and, of course, the, the Silver Bridge. So, yeah, although over there in Point Pleasant, she was like the main, right. the main to-do there. And so it's just interesting that in, in both instances, there's a higher that was kind of, uh, uh, you know, deeply involved with uh, both of those cases. Yeah, and it's a, it's a connection I'd like to research a little bit. Yeah, I mean, potentially cousins or something, who knows, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, uh, you know, they, they saw, like I said, this kind of pulsating reddish sphere uh, floating around the hill and then hover briefly and then drop behind the crest um, of the hill. So from the far side of the hill, the bright glow, you could see it, uh, as if it was from a landed object. Now, on their way to see that, what they landed, they were joined by others that had witnessed the flying spectacle. Uh, 
mm-hmm. uh, including Kathleen May uh, and her two sons, which were already, you know, before. Um, Eugene Lemon and his dog. Right, that's the um, National Guardsman there, Eugene Lemon. Yeah. yeah. So the dog ran ahead of the group and was briefly out of sight as it ran around the hill. Suddenly, it was heard barking furiously, and then it came running back down, fleeing with its tail between its leg mm-hmm. legs. Yeah, and so, from what I've read, too, I mean, this is a good hunting dog. I mean, it doesn't get scared of Right, it doesn't yeah. run, right? If anything, it would just would have stayed there and barked, right? Yep, and so, growled. And growled. So, I mean, the only thing, I, I've seen dogs, you know, West Virginia has bears, right? I've, yeah. I've seen dogs encounter bears, and, and they'll even still kind of bark, you know, back away and bark, but they don't they don't just tuck tail and run, right? It's yeah, just no, not, not at all. Right. So um, then the uh, the two leading the group, which was uh, Eugene Lemon and uh, Neil Nunley, got to the top of the hill and, and at first observed a, what's in quotes here, a big ball of fire, 50 feet to their right. Right. Uh, up, others in the house, uh, or excuse me, others in the group says it was about the size of a house, which when you think about, for people to put it in context, when you think about a house in rural in rural West Virginia, it's probably the same in a lot of rural areas. You typically get those old farmhouses, which are typically like you know two story, four room type houses. Um, you know that potentially a one story, but most of the farmhouses that I've ever seen are you know kind of two stories. So regardless, it was a big ball of fire. Yeah. Um, needless to say, needless to say, this if it is a spacecraft, it wasn't doing so good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, to the group's left on the hilltop, just under the branches of a large oak tree, were two small blue lights. Uh, at Mrs. May's suggestion, Lemon pointed his flashlight in their direction to everybody's horror, the flashlight highlighted a grotesque-looking creature with a head shaped like the ace of spades. As several of the witnesses independently described it, inside this, the head was a circular window, dark mm. except for two lights from which pale blue beams extended straight ahead. Oh, it's crazy man and you know it's interesting because most of the images of the flatwood monster gives it yellow eyes or things like that but yeah it is is pale blue and that's so very interesting because so much of what we come across in these things are these red eyes but even then these blue eyes were like beams of light which really pushes this uh, robotic or right. uh, suit or device of some sort, yet at the same time, they describe it as grotesque, you know? Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> it, I mean, it, you know, it's it's dark. You're, you're like, shocked at the sight of everything. Mm-hmm. I guess something could still be anything that would be outside of your normal acceptance of life. Right, so at the time, yeah. you humans, bears, uh, I think would be just you know potentially described as grotesque. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, but this so thing was like what, what? ten feet tall. 
Jeez, well, yeah, so, so it just yeah. says, yeah, it just says over six feet tall. Uh, couldn't see anything that resembled arms or legs. Um, it, it actually, so the, so the creature, what they say, the creature moved towards the witnesses. Uh, it seemed to be gliding rather than walking. Um, seconds later, it changed direction and began heading for the glowing sphere from which it apparently had come from. Mm. Now, what I'm going to take a more technical approach here and say, what if it's like some sort of a drone sent from the ship? Well, yeah, it reminds me of Empire Strikes Back. You know, those those drones yeah. they send to Hoth at first, right. but right. you know that it has legs. So, so that's like, the sphere. So no, I'm saying this, the, the 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 Flatwoods monster. Oh, you're saying the, the creature itself that came from the sphere. Yeah. Okay. It's it's a drone, and then so when it it's out searching whatever, and it sees you know the the people investigating, it moves to investigate. Some something inside the ship says, "No, wait, come on back to the ship. We don't want to yeah. engage." And then it turns and goes back to the ship. Oh, you know, just so you're because, saying like it got orders, so to speak. Yeah. Right. Okay. And, and and just because the ship is on fire doesn't mean that it's broken. Like it could right. be that's what it looks like when it's working. You know, like the fireball ships that people report to move on and stuff. Right. So anyways, just, just a personal theory there. So that's what it sounds like to me. It's like it's out checking things out and and the people see it. It's like, Oh, I'm gonna go check those things out and then it's like, Nope, we don't want to engage, come on back to the ship. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, go, 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 go. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it says that all this stuff took place in like the matter of a few moments, mm-hmm. uh, during which time uh, Eugene Lemon fainted. Uh, the others dragged him with them as they ran from the scene. Um, it, went, it says when they were all interviewed about a half an hour later uh, by a reporter for the Braxton Democrat, the witnesses were barely able to speak. Uh, yeah. Some sought first aid. Um, you know, Stewart felt the Stewart is the is the interviewer for the for the for the newspaper. Uh, Stewart felt that there was no question that they had seen something that had badly frightened them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, says says you know soon afterward uh, after Lemon had uh, recovered. Excuse me, uh, Stewart and Lemon went to the spot where they had seen the creature in the strange craft. Stewart also noted that there was an uh, acrid odor, odor, excuse me, odor, in the air uh, that irritated his nose and throat. Uh, He returned alone to the site first thing the next morning. He found, uh, in quotes, skid marks going down the hill towards a large area of recently matted grass, Mm -hmm. which seemed to indicate that a large object had rested there. You'll notice here that the the difference between this this depiction, or if you will, this description, versus what you see in Project Blue Book. Yeah. This this doesn't say anything about the scene being burned. Yeah. It just says the grass was matted down like something was there. In Project Blue Book's account, as far as what the TV show depicted. It says that like the area was scorched. Yes, yeah, because they they also insinuated that 
um, that it may have been scorched as well by possible MIBs or something along those lines. Yeah. So um, uh, the encounter, which newspapers quickly dubbed the Flatwoods Monster, uh, it took place during a flurry of sightings of unusual flying objects in the region. So again, we've got a UFO flap, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then we've got a Flatwoods Monster sighting. So it stands to reason, and, and I'm reading through uh, John Keel's book, uh, Operation Trojan Horse, and one of the things that he, that like the chapter that I'm in right now that he talks about is, is that these craft have been coming for like hundreds or, you know, hundreds of years, and they do all these uh, investigatory, I can't speak, investigatory, is that the right word? Sure. Um, searches so they like they search the night sky and patterns they're you know like they're, they're really doing more of a scientific type search and so um it, you know again it, it'll it'll it kind of alludes to the idea that this thing was just checking things out like other ufos as a part of the flap mm -hmm. and then um you know and then of course that happened to get spotted while it was being while it was doing its investigation, which led to newspaper articles and and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So it's interesting because um, right now I'm reading they knew too much about flying saucers by Gray Barker. He's the one that published Silverbridge, the the first published book account of the Mothman monster. Um, and uh, in this book, which was written, you know, obviously close to 20 years prior. Um, he talks about the Flatwoods monster in it. It's actually how he opens the book because um, he was one of the first people on the scene as well, uh, picking up the story. He wasn't too far. He was just over in Clarksburg. But in his book, he talks about the, uh, the, the uh, person from the Braxton Democrat. His name was A. Lee Stewart. He was a co-editor. And uh, what's really great is the way that he talks about the skid marks. I wanted to bring this back up because it's really interesting. He says that, uh, Lee said that the marks proceeded from the tree where the monster was standing to the location of the orb, like we talked about. He says that if, if it was indeed some huge person um, and they were on skis, that maybe they had slid down the hill. But the summer skier surely was too light in weight for the skis had not indented the ground. They had only ridden down the tall grass and tossed a few small stones aside where the globe had rested. A huge area of grass appeared to have been crushed down. And a lot of residents, um, that gray kind of insinuates that a lot of residents tried to come up with stories as a way to discount it to not let their city be another roswell and so like two or three different people claimed that they had driven their tractor or their car over that but the skid marks were not car skid marks there was no tire tread so that was one of the big things that's why they said if anything it could have been a summer skier those guys that kind of walk like that on the skis but even then they were far too wide so i wanted to kind of throw in that little bit of information that i read in gray's book that just stood out to me in regards to those skid marks well and something else that's you know when you think about that it, it could be whatever is letting this thing glide and would it would imply that it has to have some sort of a of a downward thrust right mm -hmm. to, to lift it off the ground right and so whatever that downward thrust is could also generate those two uh, not deep uh, tracks, but but certainly tracks back to where the ship was 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 located. For sure. And did did we mention that um, one of the other things is is that 
you know, we had talked about they didn't see arms and legs, but it seemed as if it was floating off of the ground at the bottom of its, as they called it, its dress. Um, so there were no marks for the monster per se, but only for the uh, the orb itself. Yeah. So um, what's what also I think is I'll, I'll mention here is, um, and, and this kind of feeds into another theory that I have, is that, uh, so like I said, there there's some other flying objects in the region. Uh, Bailey Frame, uh, which is the guy's name, Bailey Frame, that's an interesting last name, a resident of nearby Birch River reported seeing a bright orange ball circling over the area where the monster was spotted. It was visible for around 15 minutes before veering off towards the airport at Sutton, where the object was also reported. So the reason I mentioned this particular piece is because it mentions Birch River, which there is a river, a small river, more like a tributary, if you will, in the area. And so, you know, we, I've talked to you about it. I've talked to our good friend Santosh about it. But the, the, my theory is, is that when you look at a lot of the encounters uh, where it's like not just sightings, but actual like encounters, there, there's a really close proximity to water. And I just wondered if, you know, if it's possible that these craft are, are landing to get water, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why it had blue lights because they have a special light detection that allows them to detect water. Right. And then even then I do come across, so I start, I kind of, while you were talking, I was looking up um, why sometimes it shows orange lights because some people have also written that the claim said it was orange lights, that it was an orange beam, uh, or maybe it was blue eyes and then it turned into an orange beam. Um but yeah, it's possible. Um, you know, one of the other things that actually the very next chapter in Gray Barker's book goes on to talk about Brush Creek, California, where uh, three different people not- uh, saw a, uh, a flying saucer that landed near Brush Creek and that a, a man got out of it, a very, very short man, though this feels very, in its description, feels very much like a time traveler because he said he just looked like a really short guy, but he had like shoes that formed to his feet, which kind of seems like to me to be those shoes that have the toe holds in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways, the way he described it, very. but anyways, regardless, he got out of the ship and took a bucket and filled up water from the creek but it was a bucket like nothing they'd ever seen before it fanned out like a uh like a cone shape and so it suggested it may have been a funnel so if it you know that could be unlocked at the bottom and that could go along with your theory whether or not they need water or could it even be used as fuel right propulsion of some sort yeah yeah so here's another here's another case um where that water theory it, it can be put to use there so i i think it's a very very good theory yeah so you know who, I mean, who knows i mean i think it's just another one of those things where again when you start to look at all of the things together and then the then the corroborating circumstances mm-hmm. uh of those of those events it maybe starts to paint a picture right so right. and well you think about the roswell incident and near Roswell is like no water. I mean, and maybe that's why it crashed. <laughs> you know, it's like, there is not like, man, it's like, it's one of those areas where you gotta go pretty far to get to water um, if you're gonna go anywhere. So, well, again, and, I mean, I'm, I'm with you 100%, but, but I like the idea that it might be fuel 
<laughs> you know, and it's like, and if it ran out of fuel, it was like, oh crap, because ah! I think the closest bit of water is closer to Carlsbad, and that's, you know, it depends which direction he was coming from. <laughs> well, and, and I think you know, it's also interesting to think about. Uh, that's where there's no water now, mm-hmm. but was there water in 1947? And I'll be honest with you, I would say there was probably less water then because now they've had they've got dams set up and they've got some lakes and some things like that. I would bet you there was less water then. Hmm. So, but that's just an opinion. There's no app. There's absolutely no educational basis behind that. Yeah. Just putting that out there. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, like you say, if they were on their way to get water and crashed, then yeah, but. Um, a couple other interesting things that I found uh, when doing the research is there was actually some similar reports, uh, both before um, and after the original Flatwoods sighting. Mm-hmm. So, so one week before the Flatwoods event, a Weston uh, woman and her mother encountered a same or similar creature. The younger woman was so frightened that she needed hospitalization after the event. Uh, both also reported the noxious odor. Um, years later, writer John Keel comes up again, interviewed a couple who claimed that on the evening following the original sighting, uh, at 10 to 15 miles to the southwest, they encountered a 10-foot-tall creature emitting a foul odor. It approached their stalled car, then returned to the woods. Moments later, a luminous pulsating sphere arose from the trees and ascended into the sky. Hmm. Now, um, the, 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 the first encounter there you talked about, what day was that? Did that happen? The first encounter is a week before the Flatwoods event. So the Flatwoods again was September 12th, 1952. So if you happen to have a yeah, I was uh, like, I have, I have another sighting that happened um, September 13th, if you had heard about that one. Yeah, that's the one I just talked about. That Yeah, that's the one I was asking. So, because um, this goes into a little detail here. It's really interesting because one of the neat things was, is that uh, it was near a creek called Strange Creek. Hmm. So I just, I find that very, very interesting. But they also... Again. Yeah, just <laughs> synchronicity, I guess. But one of the other things that, you know, that they talked about too, of course, was that, uh, like that, just that horrible smell that, that created throat irritation and vomiting and nausea, which a lot of people say are telltale signs of like exposure to mustard gas and stuff. And, and you know, they the, the first group experienced it, as did this couple and their, their child. So I just, that's so, such a strange thing to happen, you know? Yep. Well, and uh, so interesting tidbit. I looked it up real quick. Strange Creek yeah. runs into Birch River, which is where the other the other guy reported uh, the you know seeing something else. So it's it's just all <laughs> related there. And well, and again about the Strange Creek sighting with George and Edith is that they did um, see its spade-shaped hood, but this time it wasn't covered. And they said that what they saw was reptilian and bony, that it dragged its lizard-like hand across the hood of the car before drifting away in the woods. 
<laughs> Which is like <laughs> extra scary. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh. It's it's interesting how none of those accounters and you know accounts made it into the designs for the Flatwood monster. Yeah, it's like, you know, you wonder why. Yeah. Why but I guess because that one's the famous one. That's the one that got the press, as it always does. Yeah. Which is where most right. of these things get their names from are coined by journalists. So Right. So um you know, so getting into the whole uh, skeptical side, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so it says that, you know, I, I found basically they think that it was either a meteor uh, or a meteor and an owl. So here you go, Keith. There's yeah. your 10-foot owl. Well, and that's, that's <laughs> exactly what uh, Project Blue Book, the show, surmised as well. But even then, it almost just seemed like he was just saying that to just stop stop the media nonsense is almost in some ways i guess i don't know but yeah right. there's just not an owl that's that big and I, yeah i guess the way project blue book says is yeah it's sitting on top of a tree but so much more uh you know of that it just doesn't fit an owl's not going to shoot orange beams out of its eyes it's not going to move right. all six to ten feet of it back towards the orb i mean it's like i don't know I don't know. Well, and, and that's the thing. You know, they say that the owl's eyes are reflective, and that's mm-hmm. what you saw. But but that reflective is not projecting a beam. You know, that's, no. that's completely two different things. Yeah. So That seems like um, a scanning device to me. Well, and what's, what's really interesting is that they all got sick. Yeah, every one of them. And yet here's seven people, not even including the other people that saw – uh, that meteor or whatever it was that evening, which there's quite a few people that just saw it and never, you know, went after it. But it's like you got all these people, yet it's still, it's not enough. Like, when is it enough? How many witnesses do you need to say something is 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 legit? Especially when you have adults, you have a, a military person that was there, you know, and a mother. It's like, she's not going to lie and make her kids go crazy. It's like, I don't know. that You know how I am. <laughs> yeah. I hate oh, that yeah. people think that people just say this stuff to make money because they did not make money. So, well, so here's the here's an actual quote of the description uh, from the original article. It says they said it had a black shield affair in the shape of an ace of spades behind it and wore what looked like a pleated metallic uh, shirt or skirt. Here, the black shield uh, was actually an outer helmet covering the red head, which was actually an inner helmet. The pleated metallic skirt was in reality the lower torso, and that's surrounded by thick pipes. So, yeah. again, still still feels very uh, mechanical, Same. I guess is the right word. Mm-hmm. And not really, I don't know that I would classify it as a monster if it's a mechanical item. You know, right. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. I guess it just depends on what the uh, definition of monster is, right? Well, it's true. Definitely wouldn't wouldn't classify it as a cryptid, though. No, not at all. At least I wouldn't. I mean, I'm not a cryptozoologist, so I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe that's more for our buddy Joe Perdue or, or some folks or, like yeah. that. But, but yeah, I wouldn't. I, I just, I wouldn't. 
it seems more to me along the lines of alien or 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 robot or some some something else like that so yeah and you know just um you know there there are several different accounts or interviews with miss may and and uh and the boys and they all kind of corroborate each other's story that it seemed like it was you know a, me- a mechanical thing Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Miss May actually said it looked like a mechanical man. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, again, it's just really interesting. Now, I would like to briefly touch on um, the theory that, that you have, that you came up with in our last, in our in our recent trip to Yeah, yeah. And you'll, you'll hear a little bit of this when we get to the interview with uh, Les Odell. Um, were, yeah, we, something that I had thought about was, especially along this lines, if this uh, was a ship that did indeed crash, uh, if we look at the orange lights and say that orange could be misconstrued for red, um, if indeed this had crashed, here we are, we're not essentially two, we're like two hours uh, east or so of Point Pleasant, what if indeed the Mothman was the Flatwoods monster, right? That's my theory is that here we are, what'd you say, 12, 13 years prior? And right. um, it had slowly had to make its way to Point Pleasant because uh, across the way there or in TNT, the TNT area and all that stuff was this power plant. And it was a place that it could go to get power, uh, not only for its ship, but for itself. Um, to fix its suit or things like that, which, hell, maybe it was trapped in its suit, but that could also fit why some people swear they saw it hunting or eating because it it indeed needed to feed, it needed to eat, and that it finally, after a long time, made its way over to Point Pleasant and then spent that year, you know, near that power plant trying to get, you know, whatever it could find um, or even being, you know, as we know, that TNT area is literally next to the river. So again, here's the Ohio River, which is a giant source of water. And so what if, and then it, it gathered up everything that it needed within that year, which is why in Point Pleasant, we never saw any sightings, though other people will say um, the sightings throughout the years in other places like Chicago and, and Minnesota and things like that were still Mothman. Um, but let's, let's just say for the sake of this that he didn't that he got the power that he needed and took off and that they were one in the same creature that's that's my little theory well and, and and you know to hear that the flatwoods monster described as being a mechanical thing that like it had a, 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 an outer helmet and an inner helmet and also hear it described as being you know reptilian uh inside mm-hmm. the inside the the mechanical piece and I'm I'm gonna back myself up here a little bit and say, what if Mothman is the rept- the reptilian inner inner person, the inner? And, and it could be because you know the sightings were really happening in November it was when they were really big started out. That's cold even in West Virginia. And if it is indeed reptile, if the reptile is very similar to reptiles here and was cold blooded, maybe it needed this suit to stay warm as well. That's something yeah. considered. You know, and that's why it stays in the suit as a way to possibly breathe pr- better or to simply stay. Yeah. So. Well, and and also um, when you think about uh, the possibility that um, 
if it was going because it is really close to the Ohio River, if it was going there for water, mm-hmm. and also the suits may have gotten better over the last thirteen years, right? Or so thirteen, thirteen, or it's two different suits. Like you know, if you're gonna wear a space suit, right? You, but like you look at our astronauts when they're in the ship, they're wearing something completely different than when they step outside. Right. And so what if that was the case? We saw its kind of travel suit and then, you know, (laughs) we get into Mothman, so to speak, and we're moving towards, uh, and maybe it was able to repair and create its, its, its outside suit. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of, uh, again, just the, the, like you pointed out earlier, the whole, uh, naming for a lot of these things is done by a journalist. Yeah. So some journalist, uh, gave it the name Mothman, which forever has, you know, placed it in the stigma of being a cryptid because right. it has the name Mothman. And but, as, as um, with Flatwoods, monster. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, um, you know, who who actually knows what it was? And I think it's, that's something that you and I try to do a lot, and we just encourage everybody else to as well, to not just accept everything at face value. Right. To, and, well, to question, and... and- you know, the cryptid idea, I think, is more than just being called Mothman. The fact that everyone described it as a bird as well, um, I think, plays into that as well. But yeah, Well, I they described it as, as something that flew, right? So yeah, well, they, some at, people at the said time, they saw feathers or things like that, so, yeah. Yeah, but it also could be reflective tiles. <laughs> exactly, so, and, and again, so just, like, just like Flatwoods, so who, who yep. knows? If it was a monster one, it could have literally simply just been a robot or or just a piece of machinery that was able to move. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. So that uh, that takes us that kind of wraps up the whole uh, what you know what I was able to find on the general story and reports of the Flatwood monster. You know, we we heard a really good, interesting uh, account from um, from the you know the operator at the museum. Which you'll hear in the interview. That's yeah. uh, that's really interesting. But yeah. Uh, but yeah. So yeah. So this comes from Les Odell. Um, he was volunteering that day actually, because uh, the main guy at the Braxton, uh, West Virginia uh, Visitors Bureau, who uh, everyone usually gets to talk to, was not in the day that we could come. But boy, am I glad we got to talk to Les. Les himself is a part of uh, some ghost hunting groups and some things like that, which I'll give you guys all the info as soon as this interview is done. Uh, but uh, just the, we hit him up and we hit him hard with some questions and some things like that. But just check out the things he had to say. So here we are with um, Les Odell. Les Odell with uh, uh, you know Braxton County. Uh, I'm. I'm actually just here filling in for Andrew today. Okay. Uh, Andrew owns the museum. He, it's a uh, Braxton County Monster Museum or Flatwoods Monster Museum. Okay. Uh, and the uh, tourism uh, board or uh, office, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is in uh, this is in Sutton, right? Yeah. Not in, not in actual Flatwoods. No, we're downtown Sutton. Yeah. And so, um, <clears throat> so I was just curious, you know, what are your what are your thoughts on? Uh, the whole idea and concept of, of Flatwoods. I mean, how do you feel about it? Do you feel like the Flatwoods monster was legitimate, or you know? Well, um, if you if you go by the actual the actual witnesses like Eddie and Freddie May, yeah, they're adamantly they, they know what they saw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
what you do, some of what you do read online might be off or skewed a little bit, you know, as far as some of the facts. Um, but they, they wholeheartedly said it was a, it was a mechanical thing. It wasn't really a biological thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, they believe wholeheartedly that they, you know, well, they, yeah. to this day say they, they, they right. seen it. I just, you know, do you, do you though, and I'm not, you know, this is not necessarily whether or not this reflects on yeah. the museum, but you know, how your personal feelings are. Um, I've done research. I believe something happened. Yeah. I mean, and the way they portrayed what they've seen, I believe they've seen something, so I, I, I can't discredit what they, yeah. um, but I've done some research, and I know there were several uh, meteors and stuff that night. Mm-hmm. Lots um, of people, yeah. Lots yeah. of people were seeing yeah. UFOs and meteors. Yeah. Um, so I can't, for me, I think it, it's a good possibility, yeah, and it's a good possibility, right. no, you know? Cause, you, you can't say it's no, yeah. but you can't say it's yeah, which makes it unknown, which makes it cool, right? Right. So. Now, uh, you born and raised here? Born and raised. So now, did you grow up hearing stories about it and stuff well, like that? Well, I'm born and raised in West Virginia, but I actually live in Marion County. Oh, okay. I just come down for the day. Uh, but I have heard the stories sure. for a long time. And yeah, so, we're Kentucky, so we hear about Kentucky Goblins a lot. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> I, I've heard a lot of different stories in West Virginia, you know, whether it's Mothman, the Flatwoods Monster, uh, the Grafton Monster, mm-hmm. you know, the Vegetable Man out of Marion County, you know, all that stuff I've heard a lot. You know, I've delved in a lot of it over the years, so... That's cool, man. Have you ever actually had any personal experiences of any of that nature? Um, Even ghost-related? Yeah, ghost-related, yeah, definitely. Uh, I've actually, right here in Sutton, have investigated two different places. One's right next door and one's across the river. Uh, one is the, the Heyman House. Uh, there was, it was pretty interesting. Uh, I, I recently did an overnight there by myself. Uh, got several good uh, um things come across what I call my, the spirit box and portal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time I was there, I was actually leading a, uh, kind of a, it was not leading, but I had a couple that, they were having a, um, a little event, like a, a public hunt. Yeah. So I was there and a couple of people actually attached themselves to me because they never done it before. So I was actually walking them around and we were in one of the rooms up on the second floor and the couple was sitting on the bed, and I was sitting in the chair doing EVP sessions. I seen the guy turn and look, like he was, like if he was sitting where I am, turn to his to his right. As he moved, I turned to my left, and as I turned to my left, something jabbed me real hard in my right ribs, oh, wow. just like a finger went right in my ribs. <laughs> Didn't they have something like that happen to one of you guys last night, right? Yeah, so I mean, you, got, you got pushed or poked. I felt like I got like the the back of my shirt tugged. Oh, that's right. right. That's right. In one of the uh, TNT domes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the things we talked to we talked to Jeff over at Mothman Museum, mm-hmm. and uh, we were talking to him and kind of looked at a comparison. You know that here's a Flatwoods monster ten around a decade before Mothman. Right. And if you really look at it, there's a lot of similarities. Yeah, there can you be. Know, you know, it makes you wonder if Mothman is something, it's an E.T. or something along those lines. It's yeah. like, did he crash here and find his way because he needed power at the power plant and took yeah. a long time to find his way there, right? Could it be one and the same, yeah. you know? <laughs> well, being that I I run a pod, or I run a, a Facebook page where I, people call me about stuff, and, and I've went out and investigated a lot of different things in West Virginia, one of them that really sticks out to me was an older gentleman, which has passed away now. 
but told me a story that when he was a kid, him and his brother, they noticed that their their pony that was out out in the backyard, they had it tied up in the back. It was kind of like a little farm, but they had mm-hmm. the pony in this little backyard. And cause he, he showed me where the, where the property was and stuff. And there's a small creek, and then there's a, a hillside with trees like you normally see here. And he told me that when he was a kid, the pony would go nuts, just go crazy. They tried to figure out what it, what it was, and they went to talking to neighbors and stuff and said if they see any bear around or nothing. They said no. Well, they started noticing three like these, this odd-looking track. Like, he said almost like a three-toed looking track, and it looked like he had been dragging something. And he said the only thing I can relate it to is it was dragging a chain. This is what I can think is a chain. And so he went to the neighbor, they went to the neighbor's house, and the neighbor's like, no, I hope nobody is messing around my chains, you know? Yeah. So he went to the barn, and well, none of his chains were missing. So him and his brother, uh, they were about three or four years apart, and I think one was like 14, one was like 17, somewhere in that neighborhood, um, said that uh, they were going to stay up. If the pony made any racket, they were going outside. Yeah. Well, the pony started making a racket. His brother grabbed a 12-gauge shotgun. He grabbed an old flashlight. He said, I want it to fare. He said, one of them little yeah. push-button <laughs> silver flashlights. And he says, they was going out the door, that their sister. He said, well, I'm going with you. I'm going with you. They didn't want her to come, but she ended up coming with them. And they went out. Honey's raising all kind of hell outside. Uh, so they decided they're going to walk across the street and go up the hill. As they started up the hill, they could hear something coming down the hill. He said, we, could, we thought, well, maybe it was a bear. Yeah. He said, then I saw the figure. He said, from where I was standing, he said it had to be at least eight feet. He said, I was looking up, so it probably wasn't that tall, but right. he said it seemed to be eight feet. But it had two red glowing eyes, about anywhere from eight to ten inches apart, about, about that big. Had, it had pretty much no neck. It just seemed like his head sat down on the shoulders. Yep, same thing. And what caught me, because at first I'm thinking... You know, because you hear the Bigfoot stuff about, you know. Right. What caught me is when he said it come down the down the bank, it didn't walk. It waddled down the bank. Hmm. And if you listen to some of the old Mothman accounts, you hear that waddle. Yeah. The first waddle. Absolutely. And it wasn't black in color. Most of the older accounts, the accounts you hear first, were either a grayish color or brown. Yeah. Well, that's the way he described this thing with the big red eyes. And he's like, it scared him to live, just to live in daylights out of him. And he yelled for his brother, who's supposed to be standing beside him, <laughs> said, shoot it. He said, shoot it. And he said, when I turned around, my brother was running. He had dropped the gun. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, his, he, when, he went to, he, when he went to run, he realized his sister wasn't there either. He found out she passed out. He just fainted and was laying on the ground. Yeah. He, he grabbed her up and ran down the hill. And after I talked to him for a while, I said, uh, you know what Bigfoot is? He's like, yeah. He said, I've seen the Patty film, you know, years ago. I said, did it look like that? And he's like, no. I said, do you know what Mothman is? And even though we're in West Virginia, there's a lot of people who don't know what Mothman is. Yeah. And he was in his 70s. He's like, I, didn't know, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> and I was like, well, when did this happen? And he told me when it happened. And by the, you know, when, when he was born, you know, and when he said it, it happened, it had to happen in the early 60s, mm-hmm. not in not 66, 67. Yeah. This was like 62 or 63. Yeah. 
So well, that's that's what we're finding too. Like, because to bring up the next question, to talk about Gray Barker a little bit. Yeah. Is you know I'm reading a lot of his books right yeah. now. Finished Silverbridge, and right now I'm reading the one that's over there. <clears throat> and of course, opens with Flatwoods Monster. Right. And um, but it's interesting looking at his older books to see he even talks about a Batman mm -hmm. in that book that sounds to me like Mothman, even though it was probably in Washington or something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not the first time, and yeah. I, and I don't even think some of those guys even correlated the old information they found ten years earlier mm -hmm. to right. equate it to. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it, there are definitely similarities. And like, I mean, it can be that he crashed and had no way of getting wherever he was going. Yeah, it just got stuck foraging for whatever he could find or yeah, could find I mean, or whatever. he could have broken his wings. I mean, had yeah. to repair yeah. though. I mean, who knows? Because I mean, I'm I don't. I'm not. I'm not one that believes the cryptid theory as much as I believe, kind of spacesuit, kind of type like thing for me. Guy in a suit or something. Well, like that. I mean, there's there's even people that claim or have a theory or I don't know what we'll call it conspiracy theory, but a theory <laughs> that that's why Andrew Cold was here we, yeah, to we track down that Mothman and take him back wherever he came yeah. from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. we thought about that, or vice versa. Yeah. Mothman was trying to get into yeah. the cult because yeah. <laughs> he seems more like the bounty hunter. <laughs> yeah. Now you, you're talking about the Great Barker. Have you ever been to the Great Barker Files? No, we no. were just talking about that. We're gonna have to do another trip. Yeah, next there. time it's a little far out on what we we've got planned, but I really want to go. He's we just uh, met. We just did interviews with Alan Greenfield, who's good friends with him, and we learned a lot of like private cool stuff, and yeah. so it's made me a new super fan really of Great Barker. Well, so. he has. I've been to these files. I've went, that's where that's go. where those few things come from over there. Mm -hmm. um, there's six file cabinets full, and it's everything you'd imagine. Now, now let me. Now I will say this: there are some shady stuff for Greg Barker. He oh, did yeah. he oh, yeah. did he did fudge some stuff, right. and you can see that from his files. Oh yeah. Uh, I one of my favorite things from the Greg Barker files, which I have a copy of it at home, is is a letter from John Keel that actually. Is he's, John Keel is basically chewing out Gray Barker for screwing up his his investigation at Mothman. Yep. Uh, and Alan talked to us a little yeah. about, about that too. Yeah. Alan, hey. yeah, Alan talked about Gray prank calling John Keel. Yeah. yeah him and Jim Mosley would call and be like, "It's Indrid Cole." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, you know, you hear Keel talk about how the, you know Indrid would call him and call him and call him. He's like. It was more than likely Gray smoking some pot with Jim and making prank calls. And he's like, and, he, and they talked about it. It sucked because I, I'm a comedian. Yeah. And so it's hard to be taken seriously, even though we take what we do very seriously. Yeah. And Gray kind of was his worst own enemy by doing hoaxes and doing yeah. things, but then would turn around and be so very serious yeah. about yeah. stuff. So. I mean, like, like the Grafton Monster, if you look into the, the paperwork that he has in there, you know, he... I, I've looked at his notes where he was sending them, sending his telephone, writing down all the notes mm -hmm. about what, you know, Cockerell was telling him, and the letters back and forth are in those files. And yeah, he's so, meticulous. Yeah, and yeah, I mean that, that's one thing I learned is how he was one of the very first people on the scene for Flatwoods, which mm -hmm. is really fantastic. Yeah, and just makes his perspective even better, especially since I read Silver Bridge before I read the other one. So it's yeah. interesting. To go backwards, it's it's really neat. I was curious, I don't know, you may not know or you may know. I noticed that one of the boys that that, were, you know, that, that saw the light and reported and went to see mm -hmm. his last name is Hire. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's spelled the same or if it's in relation to Mary Hire, the journalist in Point Pleasant. That I'm not sure. I mean, I, 
I think he has a picture over there of him. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think it's H-Y-E-R. Well, I know his, is, his is, yeah, hers is H-Y-E-R. And I don't know if his is the same yeah. as H-I-E-R. Okay. So I have to look and see. Yeah. But I just, you know, I know that, it, you know, we're from Kentucky, or I'm from Kentucky. Yeah. And there's a lot of family names in areas like right. that. And so if it's, if it's a family name, it's very possible that they're related. It would just mm-hmm. be interesting to, if there's like two people in the same genealogical chain that were really big in Mothman and also really big in... Oh, yeah, I mean, like you're talking about the names, you know, they from region to region, they may be a family, but they'll delineate from one spelling to another. Yeah, even my name, where I'm, you know, my name is is spelled a certain way with an apostrophe. Well, I have relatives that are few removed, the apostrophe's gone, and then there's a small d, but we're still family. Yeah. yeah. And I've even, even a few years ago, or la- it was last year, no, two years ago, I talked to a, a gentleman, you know, where I was kind of buying some stuff, the antique stuff off yeah. of him, and I, and I bought some stuff for the uh, the Moundsville Museum, the, the uh, Archives of Afterlife, that was, uh, he's into World War II stuff, so I bought a couple of jackets. Well, both brothers were in the, in the same war, but they had two different names, but come from the same mom and dad, because... When they put it on the paperwork, when they were born, something was goofy, yeah. and then it just never changed. It just never changed. Yeah, yeah I've yeah. seen that. Because it was a hassle. Um, yeah. <laughs> one of the last things I want to touch on is, um, you know, they uh, talked about Flatwoods in Project Blue Book right. TV show. Um, how, do, how do you guys handle and talk about that here? Because, you know, at the very end, they essentially said, oh, it's just a damn owl, right? Well, <laughs> for the first part, that, you know, that was kind of upsetting for some people especially because Heineck was all about it in real life like he's yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I really like I said I, I think that show was really to try to discredit Project Blue Book it wasn't yeah. to it wasn't to reinforce what Heineck yeah. found it was to discredit and and the way they portrayed the family here you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the May family just being gun-toting hillbillies yeah. was way off. Yeah, it just, it, it, everything we had read, it just felt so off. And okay. it, it, the show's great, but it's like, yeah. I mean, it's something that we actually talk about a lot, yeah. is that um, just the automatic discount if you come from a more rural part yeah. anywhere. You know, just automatically, yeah. you must be a dumb hillbilly yeah. or whatever. You know, and it, it's just, it's even, I mean, we, we live in Louisville, but it's like, yeah. even then, we still get that just yeah. being from Kentucky, from Kentucky. you know? You know, the first time I met people from, like, Boston, they looked down to see if I had shoes on. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I moved to Ohio for a short period, which, years ago, just for a short short time, and, you know, Ohio's not much different than here. No, no, no. By God, the West Virginia stigma was there, you know, because yeah. I had one, one person come up to me and say, you're from West Virginia? I'm like, yeah. And they said, do you know why the cows have two shorter legs in that, down there? And I'm like, no. I said, because they, they're like, they stand on the hills all day long. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's so dumb. Dumb. Yeah. Yeah. I get it, though. I mean, it's like I'm originally from Toledo, Ohio. Yeah. And, like, I tell you what, the Toledo hillbillies are worse. And the Michigan, because my family's off of Michigan, too. Those Michigan <laughs> lumberjack hillbillies are... I I prefer my southern ones. Give me that. That's my that's my people. <laughs> Much kinder. Um, but yeah, well, go ahead. I was just gonna say so. Yeah, so so thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. I mean, 
it's really good to hear a local perspective yeah. about what's going on and what went on. Um, and really appreciate the story about the, you know, the guy from the early 60s because that just yeah. helps with yeah. our kind of theory that, that they might be related. Okay. And then also one more time, let us know your name and then the Facebook page. We have a lot of West Virginia listeners, and so we can get them. Hopefully, they can check out your page and have a place yeah. to uh, check out. It's Les Odell, and it's West. Well, it's WV Cryptids and Strange Encounters. Okay. I get. Yeah. I, I collect stories from all over West Virginia. Uh, I'm already familiar with it. So somebody calls me, I go and check them out. Yeah. If it's Bigfoot related, I go and check it out. Yeah. You know, I just had to. Somebody from Clay County called me and said they saw a uh, five-foot-tall black creature with red eyes on their property <laughs> in, like, uh, in the past five months at least a half dozen times. Wow. Well, we became friends with uh, a guy named, uh, you might know him, Joe Pardue from yeah, uh, Joe. Yeah, Joe, Joe and he, of course, talked great about you guys and stuff yeah. like that. And, uh, you know, we just interviewed him a couple weeks back yeah, on the Bigfoot right. sighting that yeah. they had. That was remarkable. Hopefully yeah. we'll see him tonight. But yeah, um, but yeah anyways, just uh, again, thank you so much, well, man. You. That was fantastic. And uh, yeah, we'll be tagging you guys and we'll tag your page and send thank people there because we got, like I said, we got a lot of listeners from West Virginia. So yeah, thank you. Uh, but we appreciate you. Thanks, man. All right. Again, we want to give a great big thank you to Les Odell and the Braxton County uh, Visitors Bureau and the Flatwoods Monster Museum. These are located there in uh, in Sutton, West Virginia. Um, we want to give a shout out to uh, the Spot Restaurant where we went to uh, in Flatwoods to get some grub. Where we got some grub there and took a couple pictures of their monster chairs. But absolutely get out to Braxton County. There's a lot of stuff to do there. Um, and Les, again, you were the best. He is a co-founder of Midnight Talkers Paranormal Group, as well as co-founder of the West Virginia Cryptids and Strange Encounters. Um, so they they hit all of that. And much like our friend Tori, they also will help connect people in that region to other types of monster hunters or uh, ghost hunters or things like that uh, if they can't do it, or even put you in the direction of other people in West Virginia if you're not near them them so but like I said you can find both those groups on Facebook um, as well as Braxton uh, and the Flatwoods Monster Museum uh, for all things Braxton go to braxtonwv.org um, but yeah what a great what an absolute great experience that we had in Flatwoods and oh Sutton. yeah so, yeah um, and, um, and I'll, I'll just say that everybody that we interacted with in the area was just so uh, courteous and uh you know just just really um you know here here we were just you know two guys who have a podcast and they just they didn't they didn't hesitate to help us uh you know get some answers ask some questions think about things differently whatever the case may be yep and uh we loved that we absolutely loved that and uh so um yeah i guess uh, oh and, and you know of course shout out to santosh he was there with us as well so <laughs> yeah we're really going to get into his journey with us and all that on next week's uh, Mothman episode. So yeah, good, good, good call. Flatwoods monster, good times. Yeah, uh, cannot wait to talk to everybody about Mothman. Um, so you know, we tried not to talk too much about everything that right. happened over the weekend and stuff. But well, and they, I mean, they're they're a little bit of a of a separate you know event really because because mm-hmm. Flatwoods is you know like like I said in the fifties and then Mothman of course is like you know, 10 or 11 years later in the, right. in the 60s. It, so. You know, it's just, it's all one weekend for us, you know? So yeah, it's like, exactly. it's all in my head. 
Um, so, but yeah, thank you again to uh, the folks at the Braxton, West Virginia Visitors Bureau and the Flatwoods Monster Museum. Uh, if you guys want more information on what's going on there, go to Braxton W V. That's B R A X T O N W V dot org. Uh, go check out stuff because there's more to do in Braxton than yep. just the Flatwoods stuff. But though, like we said, they've got the big chairs and they've got the statue and all kinds of fun stuff. So uh, get out there if you're West Virginia is just absolutely absolutely gorgeous you oh, know a lot of people absolutely. are taking trips to like you know uh the the gully or whatever that place is called where they do the whitewater rafting yep. like make it part of your trip check out flatwoods check out you know point pleasant and, all and especially stuff. you know coming up in the next several weeks uh the fall colors are going to be kicking in and west virginia oh, all yeah. those trees in the fall take me home yeah <laughs> <laughs> no don't sing it <laughs> i finally got it out of my head um but before we get out of here uh, I've got an interesting listener story for you um, because it's not our normal listener story. Uh, I got, uh, I, I've, be, uh, I've become acquaintances with the admin that runs Haunted History of Kentucky, Tanya. Um, she is very, she loves our show. She loves our emphasis whenever we can do Kentucky stuff and get our listener stories from Kentucky people. Of course, we love our Kentucky folks. Uh, but she hit me up and sent me an urban legend because that's something I'm always curious about as well. It's like, what what type of, you know, like legend or lore or folklore does your little town or county or any of that have that pe- people may not know about? So she sends me one. And it's going to sound funny, but it's Kentucky. OK, so deal with it. Um, excuse me. Uh, but this is the urban legend of Johnny Booger. OK, right. Yeah. So Booger, ha ha ha. But we know that like, um. Uh, they have different names like haunts or haints is what they call, you know, some of the Appalachian yeah. areas and things like that. We'll call ghost haints and there's just different things. And, and uh, this is Johnny Booger. This comes from Knott County, Kentucky. Okay. Uh, so here is this urban legend. Johnny Booger was a healer, if you will. A lot of people that were sick or had sick children would go to him to be cured. His real name, however, was Johnny Young. He's buried in the Young Fork Cemetery on Lots Creek. Everyone during his lifetime swore that he could make things happen, such as making things appear out of thin air, then making them disappear again. And he even had the ability to make inanimate objects move and even kill certain animals just by pointing at them. He often talked about having such powers, and he said it bothered him greatly and scarred him greatly. He once proved to a lady that he could do what he says he could do. So he made a flock of sheep appear, and after she touched them and said she could feel them, he made them disappear into thin air. He, however, lost his powers one day after he started attending church and sleeping with a Bible under his pillow. Johnny was never able to use them again. Now, anyone in Knott County will tell you this tale, and most will tell you of an ancestor they had that was healed by Johnny or witnessed one of his miracles, and they then passed the story down through the generations until it reached them. So, yeah, that's the story of Johnny Booger, essentially, in a nutshell. I I, I wonder where the Booger came from, because I didn't really hear any... Well, I, I think Booger, like, is, like, an older term for, like, boogeyman. So that that's what I think. Oh. I think that's where where it kind of comes from. The because I feel like in um, I know in England they say bogeyman, but I I also feel like at 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 another point they say boogerman as well. Well, I wonder if it's um, so. 
<clears throat> there's also a term that I've heard used from my Kentucky relatives where you like um, you uh, get somebody like, you know, you boogered them. Oh, like, you know what really? I'm That's yeah. interesting. So like you you hoodwinked, if you Oh, will. well, that would make sense for Johnny Booger then because people thought he was a charlatan. Yeah. So that could make sense. I mean, your your family is rooted in Kentucky, right. whereas mine's from Ohio. So you probably have a better and Kentucky and West Virginia tend to share a lot of same. So it makes stuff. me wonder if it's, you know, Johnny Booger because he was considered a charlatan. Yeah. yeah interesting. But yeah, thank you, Tanya uh, at Haunted History of Kentucky. Um, if you guys are in Kentucky, if you're listeners here, make sure to join that group. It is a fantastic group filled with so many stories and urban legends and people sharing their encounters with ghosts and spirits uh, in Kentucky. It's absolutely fantastic. Remember, you can send all of your stories, your listener stories, any experience that you've had with the paranormal, whether it be ghost, cryptid, uh, UFO, alien, uh, just any Anything weird or, or just a weird feeling or anything yeah. passed down from your family, send those to us, fearscapepodcast at gmail.com. Get onto fearscapepodcast.com and submit a sighting. We can do it through there. Or even on there, we have our Google phone number that you can call and leave us a message or text us you your text story. Us. You can you can even uh, text us pictures and yeah, we can receive them. Yeah, send us pictures. Them. But yeah, if you want to, you want to hear your own voice on here. Go ahead and either send us a, a file or call that number and leave your story. You only got three minutes, but leave a voicemail for us and, and we'll get that story on the air for you. We yeah. we are just all about sharing people's stories to show people again that they are not alone. That's right. So, uh, but yeah, make sure to go check out fearscapepodcast.com for all things Fearscape, uh, as well as fearscapemedia.com. We are starting a podcast network that's absolutely fantastic. Yep. Um, we're going to have some... Uh, uh, updates and and information coming out about that soon we do have a brand new podcast getting ready to drop probably in the next two to three weeks uh, it's another one for, from me uh, called misters of the dark and paying homage to elvira the mistress of the dark yeah. my buddy lance wayne and i are big horror buffs and so we're going to be talking about all things horror movies toys comics everything uh, with different guests every week so that's going to be part of the fearscape media network it's going to be fantastic so be on the lookout for all of that and of course, check out our store. All the good stuff. Yep, got a great, got a great new T-shirt out. If you haven't seen it, uh, if you've listened to the Alan Greenfield episodes, uh, we've got a great T-shirt out there for a uh, a spider rainbow. Yep, we do. <laughs> we have a spider rainbow shirt. So please check that out. That's fearscapepodcast.com/store. Check out our Patreon. Check out all the goodness. And yep. uh, but on that, we want to get out of here. Thank you guys for tuning in as you usually do. We're here week after week because we love what we do and we love that you guys care. Yep. So uh, make sure to tune in next week. We're gonna have a good show talking about our experience in Point Pleasant with Mothman and all of that jazz. And uh, yeah, I'm ready to rock and roll. You ready to rock and roll? I'm ready to rock and roll. All right. Well, let's go turn on the amps and get rocking. And uh, I asked this the other day on Facebook, but do you remember when cities were made? From rock and roll. I do. Those were the, the good old days. Those were the good old days. Um, yeah. So, anyways, uh, we'll we'll get out of here. This has been Stefan. I will catch you all on the flip side. This has been Josh. The truth is out there. And remember, folks, hold those blankets extra tight because things tend to get spooky and weird when you're listening to Fearscape. Good night, everybody. Good night. I'm so glad you were able to join us for that horrifying discussion. I hope they didn't frighten you too much. <laughs> Tune in next week 
for even more research into the nightmarish and haunting creeps and spooks that we tell ourselves don't exist, but we know they do. Make sure you have your blankets that you hold them extra tight. Next time on Fearscape. <laughs> A mother and boys saw a great light and heard a great noise. They ran to the hilltop, didn't know what they feared. It was there in the dark that the phantom appeared. Oh, phantom of flatwoods from moon or from Mars, maybe from God and not from the stars. Please tell us why you fly o'er our trees The end of the world or an omen of peace The size of the phantom was a sight to behold Green eyes and red face to the story was told It floated in air with fingers of flame It's gone with a hiss just as quick as it came Phantom of flatwoods from moon or from Mars Maybe from God and not from the stars Please tell us why you fly over our trees The end of the world or an omen of peace The people were frightened, they started to pray They were living in hopes of another new day There's no end to this story Except just to say, this world will go on for it's written that way. Oh, phantom of flatwoods from moon or from Mars, maybe from God and not from the stars. Please tell us why you fly o'er our trees, the end of the world or an omen of peace.